0: So when we plan out the show, obviously I knew today was May 9th. It was going to be Victory Day in Moscow. There was a lot of anticipation about what Vladimir Putin might say. So we had already planned to talk about Ukraine and Russia and the war today. So it was a pleasant surprise when Justin Trudeau, Christia Freeland, and Melanie Jolie landed in Kiev yesterday. A pleasant surprise because we had people already lined up to talk about it. So Canada is establishing or re-establishing its presence in the Ukrainian capital. On a visit there Sunday, the Prime Minister, along with uh, Freeland and Jolie, helped raise the flag uh, outside the Canadian embassy in Kyiv. Here's the Prime Minister. So to be there with our ambassador, uh, not just to raise the flag, but to uh, reopen the embassy, she'll be uh, there working uh, every day from now on, uh, is an important symbol, not just of Canada's steadfast friendship with Ukraine, but of the incredible resilience and heroism of the Ukrainian people who ensured that this city did not fall. Of course, Vladimir Putin knows well that city did not fall. He had to mark today, the biggest military day or biggest celebration of military victory today without a significant victory in Ukraine. So there was a lot of gripes today from Vladimir Putin. Resident Western analysts, though, expected him to say something of significance today. He didn't really. Still, in Kyiv, people were on edge. Intelligence services had warned lawmakers that Russia could do something really significant today, including on the Capitol. So joining me now with more is Ukrainian member of parliament Kira Rudik. She's head of Golosh or the Voice Party. Thank you for your time, Kira.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: We were expecting um, something. It is May the, uh, May 9th, of course, from Moscow today. What did you make of uh, of Vladimir Putin's speech and, and what he said and didn't say uh, from a Ukrainian point of view?
1: Uh, we were very worried indeed. I can tell you personally uh, I was really concerned of what can happen today because we know how Russian propaganda is tied to uh, previous greatness, important dates, all that stuff. So we were warned by our intelligence that they could be attacks up to a nuclear attack. So thank God it didn't happen and we continue fighting our fight. As of Putin's speech today on Red Square, well, uh, people are saying that he did not announce war on Ukraine and he did not say that he is going to push forward, but he never was saying that. He never said i 'm going to uh, invade Ukraine, he never said i 'm going to take Crimea, so it 's very important uh, of what he said, but also what he did not say. Uh, he doesn 't know what to do it 's obvious. Uh, Because there was no major victory to be shown today and to be told, even to be lied to, to Russian people. So he was not even able to do a parade in Mariupol because Russian forces do not have Mariupol. They did not take it in full. So he was uh, giving his bizarre things about that NATO was going to attack and Ukraine was posing a threat without actually saying this. And... uh, You know, today's speech is a perfect example and perfect answer to everybody who is asking me, oh, why don't you get into peaceful negotiation with Russia? You have heard everything. What peaceful negotiation or what agreement could be with uh, the country who seriously thinks that NATO was going to attack them? Who seriously thinks that they are fighting Nazism in Ukraine? Uh, So, um While the propaganda is on this level, while Ukrainian people are fighting for our freedom, it's uh, impossible to get into peaceful negotiations and to come into any agreement with Russia. But the most important point right now is no matter what Putin says or doesn't say or thinks or does not think or even does, uh, we need to stick to our plan. And by we, I mean the democratic world. We need to continue on pushing for sanctions and have them uh, voted in uh, as soon as possible. We need to continue getting Ukraine uh, modern weapons, and they are coming, but they need to come faster and we need more, we ob- always need more. Just answering your, your potential question on that. Always need more weapons because we are fighting every single day. We need to make sure that we are acting as a united front, so, so push the other countries uh, that are not involved right now the, to make sure that they will not become new markets for Russian gas and oil. Work on the seventh package of sanctions. Make sure that Russia is um, uh, called country sponsor of terrorism, both in United States, in Canada, in Great Britain, everywhere. Make sure that Russian assets are unfrozen and sent to Ukraine, as that they will never be returned to Russia. There is lots of stuff to do, and. It should be done no matter what Russia is doing, no matter what Putin is saying. We have this great saying in Ukrainian language, we have to do our own thing.
0: Clearly, I I was watching, of course, the contrast between Vladimir Putin's speech today and Vladimir Zelensky's video yesterday. When you look back over this, the last 60 days with the, you know, we were hearing, obviously, the predictions from Moscow of holding a Victory Day parade on the streets of Kyiv. Instead, it was an image of Vladimir Zelensky watching walking alone on the quiet streets of Kyiv yesterday. How powerful, a message do you think that was?
1: So I will start with the joke. Uh, you know, there, it was uh, on the Internet at uh, the most... Uh, hard days when Russians thought that they would take Kiev a uh, couple of uh, like uh, two months ago. So that Zelensky is calling Putin and saying, Do you want to hear a joke? Putin says, Yes. Zelensky is saying, Kiev. Putin says, I don't get it. And Zelensky says, Right, you are not.
0: That's <laughs> a good joke. So, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's a very good one. So today, when I'm thinking back and when I'm thinking about, uh, about how far we've got, I'm thinking about this joke because it's very, very important. It's important for my personal safety. And uh because right now uh, it's uh, uh, it's so amazing that we can get to this point in peaceful Kiev. And it's important for the country that we were able to push back one of the largest armies in the world and make sure that they don't conquer our capital. And though it was their obvious aim. And um, I agree with President Zelensky that that Russia cannot usurp uh, the Victory Day for the victory in Second World War, but most important, that we need to have our own Victory Day. I'm actually co-author on the legislation to to remove um, today as, like a, as a national holiday, and I'm sure that soon we'll have our own day to celebrate. Because, uh, um, you know, after Second World War, the world was saying never again. It's Unfortunately, it didn't work this way. Unfortunately, this idea of never gain failed. So what we are doing right now, we are making a new history. And this history would have another victory over tyranny, another victory over uh, racism or whatever, uh, with a new Victory Day that we will have. And we will be celebrating it same as the uh, previous Victory Day with our lives.
0: I mean, through all this over the weekend, there was more attacks. We saw what happened in Zaporizhia, for instance. So the war is still very much going on, although I remember this from back in 2014 when I was there. It was quite easy to go to Kiev and forget there was a war happening in Donetsk. Um, I guess that's really the focus now to make sure everyone's still focused on what's happening in the East.
1: Well, uh, the difference between now and 2014 is... That it's uh, three to four times in uh, air raid sirens in Kiev, three to four right. times a day, and you have to go to the bomb shelter and you have to uh, stop at the block posts that are right. everywhere around the city. So the war is still here. We know that. We are trying to live our lives and uh, support our army and make sure that we push for the victory everywhere in the western cities, in the uh, in the capital, everywhere. But while we don't have the air force protection systems, there is nowhere in Ukraine where we can feel safe. And you have seen the attacks on the far western parts of the country. Uh, we uh, have had attacks on Kiev just uh, last week, and today, after Putin's speech, there were attack on school in uh, Donetsk region. And we still don't know how many children are injured right now. But um, it continues, and it's here, and it's it's honestly everywhere.
0: Speaking with Kira Rudik, Ukrainian MP and uh, the head of the political party of voice uh, in, in Ukraine, uh, Canada's prime minister, along with our deputy prime minister and foreign affairs minister, were in Kiev yesterday uh, on Sunday. And I'm going to ask Kira about uh, the importance of that after this. I'm back with Kira Rudik, Ukrainian MP and the leader of the political party, uh, Golos, her voice. We've been speaking about uh, Vladimir Putin's May 9th speech, Victory Day speech, uh, and some uh, legislation that she's co-authored that in fact would no longer recognize May 9th as Victory Day in Ukraine, but save that day for victory uh, over Russia uh, eventually uh when that's announced akira our prime minister was there yesterday justin trudeau went uh went to ukraine uh went to kiev after much pressure to do so how significant was that visit do you think yesterday along with uh with the first lady jill biden was there too you too was there so lots of folks there but i would ask you about the canadians
1: well we all admire justin trudeau you know that so it was uh on a personal level it was an amazing to know that he's visiting us but um Altogether, all those visits, they were the signs that Ukraine is getting the support of the whole democratic world. This support does not go down and does not uh, decrease, that there is no uh, Ukraine fatigue and that the whole democratic world is behind us, united and making sure that we will get more and more uh, means to win this war, more and more means to push Russians back. So uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was here not only to shake hands and visit Bucha and Irping and see the atrocities by his own eyes, he also announced an additional support uh, to Ukraine, financial, military, and sanctions. He also um, is one of the people who are spearheading the uh, two important legislation is uh, one of it is recognizing Russia as the country sponsor of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Critically important for uh, the countries who are not involved in supporting Ukraine to uh, to know that the economic relations with Russia would be talked. And second is recognizing uh, what is happening in Ukraine, genocide. It was voted in um, Canadian parliament, but uh, we need to continue pushing on this matter because uh, it um, uh, Canada being the leader in this uh, is uh, putting a pressure on United States and the United Kingdom and European countries to do the same and uh, of course I'm extremely grateful for uh, for this visit um, it, it was a pleasure it was a real, real pleasure
0: It's important obviously though that leaders go to Bucha that leaders go to Irpin that go to see where the destruction was I imagine
1: you know, I think in Bucha and Erpin there were so many international leaders and presidents and prime ministers and every time they coming in, they're looking and saying, no way this is happening in 21st century in, in the democratic country in the center of Europe. And this is what I want all of them to understand, that the war is real, that people are suffering here. Real, it's not a picture on TV or just like a list of of uh, things on the paper. It's a real uh, damage that's being done. It's a real atrocities that have been committed. And it's another additional point to say that Russia needs to be stopped. I haven't seen actually any politician who wouldn't be crying when, when they see the mass grave. Where with, with their children and uh, destroyed houses and uh, and bombardments like in really in Second World War and talk to the refugees and talk to the people who were under on under the occupation and talk to the women who were raped by Russian soldiers, you just cannot process it. It stays with you forever. It stays with you, reminding you every single day. This is exactly what we are fighting to not be repeated. This is a real never again. This is what they 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 will carry it after the visit and they would know to push forward. They would know that somewhere far in the east, in Donetsk, in Luhansk, in Mariupol, in uh, Kherson, in uh, the region, there are people who are suffering the same atrocities we just don't know about just yet. There are areas of Ukraine that are destroyed exactly the same way as Bucha and Erpin were destroyed. And what is happening in Mariupol, we even don't, we even cannot imagine. But at some point, we will be able to see, and it will be another come and see point.
0: Kira, you mentioned one of the other things you were looking for was that uh, money seized from the Russian Central Bank, from oligarchs, and so on. Uh, and Canada has started to pursue this. I know the Americans are looking at this too. That that money then be used to help finance the rebuilding of Ukraine.
1: Yes, it's. Uh, uh, extremely important first of all is that somebody finishes this process first and I do believe that Canada would be uh, would be the first country because you are the farthest at the process in terms of having the bill in and having the Parliament uh, ready to vote for it. Uh, the United States are still at the process of just submitting the bills and uh, it's super unfair that Canadian citizens, that United States citizens, that European citizens will have to pay from their tax dollars to uh, for Ukrainian rebuilding, which we are super grateful for. But shouldn't Russian money be used for that? And if there are Russian monies that are seized and frozen, uh, money of Russian banks and money of uh, oligarchs uh, who are under the sanctions, shouldn't this money be used to rebuild Ukraine? I strongly believe so.
0: Kira, what, what should we be looking for now in the next may 9th has come and gone what do you think we should be looking out for uh over the next month or so
1: so uh we should be looking for the sixth package of sanctions to be voted in and see how russian money and russian lobbyists would be making everything possible and impossible for that not to happen because the ban on russian oil would be very painful for Russia, even though it would start if only in six months. We will see that Russia will try to uh, have more and more airstrikes on the peaceful uh, areas of Ukraine, and especially on the infrastructure objects such as trains, because they know that railroad is the means for us to get the weapons to the front and to get the humanitarian support in. So this is what they have been doing for the last couple of weeks. And I think this is what would continue. So our internal concentration right now is honestly on very quick rebuilding of, um, uh, of the infrastructure. So we can continue the logistics.
0: Kira Rudik, thank you so much for your time tonight, as always.
1: Thank you and glory to Ukraine.